we will take a trip back to Komarocho as we look at the original Yakuza game that started it all. We will look at the humble start of the project, the crazy amount of detail put into the game, and how Yakuza changed what is expected from Japanese games at the time. All this and more on Sega Talk. SegaBits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Hello and welcome to Sega Talk number 134. I'm your Tojo Clan captain, uh, the man, the podcaster who changed his name, and with me is uh, Barry Sun. Hello. <laughs> that no, was not a, in the notes. <laughs> no, but you know that's a uh, sign of respect, right? The son in the end. As you yes. can tell, I played a couple of Yakuza games, uh, and I saw the glossary. I'm not going to brag or anything. Right, right, right. That's just the type of gamer I am about the lore. So uh, you want to play? That's true. You want to plug some Patreon lore? Yeah, so if you want to support our podcast, we are at patreon.com slash segabits, and you can support us at any tier. The lowest tier is a dollar, and that, that gets you in the door, as they say, and you can uh, listen to this uh, audio podcast a week early. $5 gets you mm-hmm. video a week early. Um, sometimes it's two weeks if we record early, or if I, in in occasionally I, I forget on a busy Friday, and then it's like Sunday, and I'm like, what I what I forget? Ah, I forgot the public post, which means the Patreons uh, get it a few more days. But um, yeah, so uh, you know, and you know, it's 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 cool, it's fun, and at twenty you get to pick. Uh, this one's not a pick. This is a very rare one where we get to pick. And in this case, George, this is your pick, and um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn supersonic. I have all emeralds here, so while you do your little explanation for why you picked Yakuza, I'm gonna turn into supersonic. Okay, um, so as you guys know, the title of the episode we'll be covering Yakuza for the PlayStation Two. Originally, this episode was actually going to cover Yakuza Kiwami as well, because uh, I thought it would be a nice little bookend, but. There's so much stuff to talk about just with Yakuza or Like a Dragon in Japan. Uh, this 2005 Japanese game released 2006 internationally for the PlayStation 2 and was developed by Sega N-E-R-N-D. Um, we'll talk more about that since they weren't that the whole time of development. They were two different teams. So uh, what is your history with Yakuza on PlayStation 2? And do you remember Sega hyping this title up at the time? So my history, I I kind of was not paying attention to video games around this time. Um, I had a PlayStation 2, but that was kind of in the early years of the console, uh, around, what, like Mm. 2002-ish. So, you know, here we're getting four years in. I'm three, four, four. So I'm like in college at this point, not thinking of video games really, not following them. I, I remember hearing about Sonic 06 and seeing the trailer. Um, but yeah, I think the first like real Sega game I, <laughs> I picked up again, you know, after the, the break was, um, man, I think I, the last one I bought was Sonic Heroes for the Xbox. And the wow. next one I bought was Sonic 
unleashed for the PS2, which was uh, end of 2008. So that's a uh, about a three or four year gap. So yeah. that's when that's when Yakuza hit. Um, so yeah, I never originally owned the game. Um, I never originally played it, but um, and I don't know if we're going to touch on it, but uh, you know, I, I have it now, and this is. It's an original printing, but it's a reprint. But it's an original oh, yeah. print, and this it's is the... from that that second run they did, or whatever, like years later. Site? Yeah, years later. Basically, are we going to cover that bit? No, I didn't cover no. it. But there's like a site that like does reprints in in Canada, and I right. So I base... recently got Bayonetta, and I think I've gotten a couple other games on there. Yeah, basically, these games are like available to be produced as long as someone places an order for a certain amount and so for whatever i think when yakuza was blowing up again with uh, yakuza 5 which i'm wearing the shirt for they put one and two back into print and they were retail price like like 30 bucks i think and these games on the secondary market were going for more than that for sure and so it really was great because so many people got to experience the original yakuza 1 and 2 uh, me included. I'll admit, I did not play this like a ton, but mm. I I definitely played it enough to understand what the game was all about. And and uh, fast forward to Yakuza Zero, and that's when I kind of got back into the series, which I think a lot of people did. And I was like, man, this Yakuza Zero and this are very different games. Like the original <laughs> PS2 Yakuza One and Two are like a different franchise almost to me. It's it's. I think it's un. I, I can't think of another franchise where the first two games are so different to the point where they actually just remade them to be more in line with the rest of the series, and people kind of forgot about it. Right. Um, it's like they were looking for their footing and understanding what the fans wanted. Still. Yeah, it's kind of like people don't talk about Street Fighter, the original one. They only talk about Street right. Fighter Two. Right. Uh, you know, it's it's yeah. interesting. Um. My uh, history with it was uh, I was pretty hyped about it just because of the developers at the time. I felt like there was a t- period of time where Sega, especially when Sega Sammy bought them, it almost felt like all these old creators that used to make Jetset Radio and these iconic IPs were kind of going on the wayside. The uh, Japanese console market wasn't really that popular, so everything was trying to like uh, please us and uh, us in the West. So so it like. All these embarrassing games were coming out in the in the middle of the two thousands. Like, uh, you know, Capcom went all out with like, uh, what what games did they do? They did they did like a, I know that what was the company that did the Bomberman game, Bomberman Zero. Then there was uh, I know Capcom did um, they did like a, a Bionic Commando reboot and Dark Void. Right. Uh, they released so very weird times. Um, I even Resident Evil win co op. Mm. Because uh, it was popular at the time. So it's interesting when Sega doubled down and had a Japanese game in Japan about Japanese culture. So I was super excited about it. I thought it was going to be... I Honestly, when I when it came out, I was like, this is going to be the next Shimio again where it's going to bomb, but I'm going to enjoy it and love it. And then I'm going to complain about it a couple years down the line about right. we need more of this. So I'm happy that uh, that didn't happen. So very happy about that. <laughs> right. So let's talk about the development of the game. Uh, first, before we get into the development of Yakuza, it is very important to discuss the climate around this period. I told you already. 
that uh, Sega Sammy just mm-hmm. merged during this time, and they were focusing on lower budget titles with the ability to return profit. Uh, Nagoshi's uh, previous title was Super Monkey Ball. Uh, sort of shows off that sort of approach. Uh, not to mention uh, the gaming public uh, was really into Western games, especially with the successes of Halo, Elder Scrolls, and Grand Theft Auto. Do yeah. you remember the transition during Xbox to Xbox 360 when uh, Western developers were eating the majority of sales and Japanese developers started chasing Western trends? Um, I mean, yeah, like like I said, this was an era when I wasn't really following gaming, but I was definitely aware that a lot of the games that were coming out just didn't appeal to me. Everything looked very Western, every Westernized, I should say, not Western, like uh, Cowboys. Um, everything was very gritty, brown, uh, <laughs> and I think it kind Blue. of, yeah, and, and I think the PlayStation 2 itself just kind of has a, like, waxy, brown feel to a lot of their games i don't know how to explain it but like yeah it it felt like if you wanted colorful games you got to go to nintendo or uh xbox but um i don't know ps2 always felt kind of muddy to me um but yeah yeah i remember that and i i looking back at the promotions for this game it's clear that they were not like they are now where they're like it's a game from japan we're gonna not hide that fact whereas with the original yakuza they were like Oh, it's it's a Japanese Grand Theft Auto, which it really is, right? You know, and uh, we'll talk about the localization, which uh, some interesting stuff happened. I guess mm-hmm. uh, uh, maybe it was a couple of years ago. Uh, one of the guys that translated the, this game uh, did a blog post about his experience with Sega, so there's some interesting things there. Um, I was pretty hyped about the Xbox 360 uh, when they first announced it, maybe the first three years. I thought the Xbox 360 had some interesting stuff they were doing. They were mm-hmm. trying to focus on Japanese games, but obviously they failed. I remember they did uh, that Immortal game, um, Lost Odyssey, I think it was called, and then they did Blue Dragon uh, that kind of looked like Dragon Quest. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was interesting that while the market was still Western-focused, that uh, Microsoft tried to bring in uh, Japanese developers at the start, and then they were like, obviously, we we're going to have to focus on what's making money, and that's when we got more gears and all that type of stuff so pretty interesting early on obviously yakuza would never would have uh, succeeded on the uh xbox because in the ps3 era this game was nothing in the west obviously so right it's, right it's a recent development so um yeah so nagashi and the team at sega decide uh they made a, stra- a strategic decision to avoid direct competition with major western gaming giants like ea activision and rockstar Instead, he chose to focus on the Japanese market, emphasizing a unique approach. If anything, Nagoshi would come out and state that he actually hates Grand Theft Auto games. He said, <laughs> of course, there are a lot, a lot of different te- tendencies in games. I once public state, uh, publicly stated that I hate Grand Theft Auto, and I got a lot of black uh, backlash from the internet. I still hate it. And if I were <laughs> asked if I think it's a good game, I would say it's an excellent game. I simply can't bring myself to promote emotion of killing, uh, of, of that killing is fun and committing crimes is fun. Um, I guess Kazuma does commit a lot of crimes, though, and it's kind of like, for the right reasons, I guess, it's okay to commit a crime for the right reasons, <laughs> maybe, in Yakuza? Maybe. I mean, he did do... Did, has Kazuma committed big crimes in the games that you were like, oh, man, that's a little overboard there? I mean, the whole the whole 
universe is a little over the top. So yeah, right. I don't. He, he doesn't seem like a cold-hearted guy. No, of course not. But uh, I would say that like if you look at Japanese games, usually they're not like Grand Theft Auto. I think in the West we have this like joy of violence since Mortal Kombat came out, where right. Western developers exploit that and know that it's a selling feature. Um, but Japanese games seem to like shy away from it, even when they're trying to be gritty, like Yakuza. There's always a scene of them crying in the in the rooftop, hugging each other, <laughs> consoling yeah. themselves. Yeah. Um, as you know, even though the game is a lot different from GTA, early on it did get comparisons. Uh, what did you think of the, this being called the Japanese Grand Theft Auto at the time? At the time, because I didn't play the game yet, I thought it was an open world game. I thought it was basically... Uh, Shenmue with violence where you could fight mm. anybody um and that it was just kind of like you know it was kind of Sega just chasing trends and being like well let's make a Grand Theft Auto with Japanese characters and to be quite honest I probably didn't even know at the time it was from first party because if you remember at this era Sega was publishing a lot of shit um tons of shit and you know some good shit some bad shit like for example Lots I was shit. uh the other day I was looking at, I, I love the Tenchu series, you know, the, the ninja ones uh, from, um, God, who makes those? From Software. From Software? And, yeah. yeah. Um, but Sega published one in right. the mid-2000s, and, like, I, I probably was aware of that, and, like, this just kind of mixed in, and I'm probably like, well, clearly Tenchu is not a Sega game, so Yakuza, for all I know, is, like, from some, you know, small Japanese publisher that Sega just picked up. Um, I... I don't think at the time they were really uh, educating, you know, the general public um, because like I said, like now I follow all this gaming news, but back then I was the general public. I was just like that guy who walks in a store not knowing what anything is. And I'll see this uh, Yakuza game on the shelf and I'll be like, oh yeah, I like Sega, but like who made this, you know? And for all I know, this is like some weird third party game that sega just picked up and published like i don't know from from the creator of super monkey ball would have been ridiculous but it right i would have (laughs) i would have understood that i'd go i remember that super monkey ball that was one of the first games to come out after the dreamcast died um i think it would have been kind of hard though to put like super monkey for sure like that's one of the things about this game that it's like none of the team's past games are anything like Yakuza. So I guess like... Jet Set Radio would be a smart one because there is that like mm, uh, that cult fan base. Th- there is a Japanese mafia in Jet Set Radio, mm, um, right? And, and there is a little crossover here. So I think if they put on there, uh, like from the makers of Jet Set Radio, even though it's not exactly from the makers of Jet Set Radio, that would have helped. I think it actually probably would have helped. Can you imagine the commercials like go go bananas for the new game by the Super Monkey Ball developers Yakuza? Right. Well, my favorite are uh, movie trailers where they say from the studio that brought you. I'm like, that's pretty broad. Like the studio, right? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. That's yeah. So, that's anything from from the from the planet that brought you. Yeah. Right. From the from the species that made Citizen Kane comes Fast X. The 10th, Fast and the Furious. You know, I don't know. So, so Yakuza Yakuza targeted a specific demographic, uh, especially a demographic that I don't think is usually 
targeted a Japanese adult male audience. Mm. Uh, following the re- reorganization, Negoshi's team expanded with the incorporation of Smiles Bits non-sports staff into amusement into amusement vision Mm -hmm. a move that placed them under negoshi's leadership acknowledging the distinct culture and strengths of amusement vision and smile bit uh negoshi believed it was crucial for the team morale to start fresh and create a new intellectual property leading to the birth of yakuza as uh, liz- uh as listeners probably know we're both real big fans of smile bit and amusement vision so uh I think I consider them right up there with Sonic Team and Sega AM2. Uh, do you think these two teams would have like mixed well? Like if they told you back in the day, the guys that made Jet Set Radio mixing with uh, the guys that made Super Monkey Ball, would you think that would have been a, a good outcome for a video game? I at the time it would have confused me, but nowadays I know that you know p- people can bounce around to very different games. Negoshi right. being, uh, you know. Like <laughs> all over the place, and even uh, Yu Suzuki. Like y- you look at Shenmue and you look at Space Harrier, and you wouldn't think it's the same guy, but it is. So, mm. yeah, right, yeah. So by 2005, uh, Amusement Vision underwent a transformation and called themselves New Entertainment R and D. Uh, obviously, under Negoshi's management. Uh, what do you think about that new name, like Amusement Vision to? New entertainment R and D. Like Sega really loves that R and D name on their teams. <laughs> they sure do. Yeah. Do you do you like that? Uh, like as a studio, or do you prefer like the Dreamcast Amusement Vision or some? You know what I mean? Like, I I you know we we have a, a Discord server and there's some real uh, you know Sega history buffs in there and I'll always chime in and I'm like. They need to bring the studio names back. And then they go, no, no. And they give me like 10 reasons why they shouldn't. But I'm like, <laughs> right now we have Sonic Team and we have uh, RGG Studio and that's it. Right. And I feel Which like... Is this the studio. Yeah. Which is a better name, to be honest. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like when we start shifting into these, these new games coming out, like Jet Set Radio and uh, Crazy Taxi, like they would do a lot of good will to bring back studio names even if it's not smile bit like pick a name otherwise people are gonna go who's making this new jet set radio and they go oh it's it's uh old smile bit staff working uh in the same department as fantasy star online too like that's kind of weird <laughs> right um right. just give them the smile bit name bring it back bring back the logo um and same with amusement vision i feel like that's been kind of dead for a while but i i've always loved them uh yeah. Right. I mean, they're RGG. I wish they they would be able to like have an imprint within their own. Like you know how when you have a comic book company, they have like Marvel, but then Marvel has an imprint or like right. DC Comics, and then they have Vertigo or right. Black Label now. Right. It's like why not have an amusement vision that within RGG that makes your kid games that are like more kid friendly, and they just call them amusement vision. It's not that bad, but anywho. Um, so during the development, Yakuza faced challenges, including initial rejection by higher ups who anticipated a different direction from Negoshi and his team. During this period, Sega and Sammy merged to establish Sega Sammy Holdings, with Hajime Satomi uh, being the new owner and CEO. Despite the initial uh, resistance from Sega executive, Satomi's interest was piqued when he stumbled upon an unauthorized footage of the Yakuza preview 
in a in a video of upcoming Sega games. Through persistence, Negoshi successfully garnered support for the project. Uh, so a, a lot of Sega fans blame a lot of the negative things that happened with Sega and the Sonic brand during this time period with Sonic 06 and all that. Mm-hmm. But it does show you that like Sammy did have some choices in what games came out and they did okay projects and some of them were yeah. actually projects that wouldn't have happened like can you imagine yakuza never happening because some sega executive didn't like the idea of releasing a yakuza related game i could see it happening <laughs> yeah right yeah. but like yeah this is one time that uh what do you think about sammy actually doing something positive for the sega brand i guess because they get blamed for everything negative it feels like i guess so i feel like i don't think about sammy all that much um that outside of seeing the green alien which is their mascot um right. sammy doesn't really register for me but um yeah i guess in this era a lot of you guys following the the news and stuff were like hyper aware of of what sammy was doing because this is when the the sale took place right uh, and um, yeah, that, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, I, I, whenever Sammy's doing something good, I guess good for them. But there's also uh, been like uh, a lot of rumors that uh, Sammy is actually tied in with Yakuza. So it's actually nice. kind of funny that he he saw the video. And he's like, oh, a game where you make a Yakuza guy a hero. Yes, we need to put this through twenty million dollars, right. fifty million dollars. We not we have enough money for this one. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, Yakuza, Yakuza, the video game, or Like a Dragon, became Nagoshi's most personal endeavor, drawing inspiration from his own life. The characters in the game were often named after individuals individuals that he knew personally, with the protagonist Kazuma Kirio holding a special significance. Kirio's name, for instance, pays homage to someone close to Nagoshi. The narrative within the game were also influenced by Nagoshi's real life. Uh, experiences reflecting aspects of dating partying and overall enjoyment of life uh i mean i think this is a joke with a lot of sega fans every single time uh negoshi goes out to these events to like uh, promote it he has two girls in his arm he's dressed very flamboyant i mean i would say very peacockish um strutting out there it feels like he's having the time of his life when he promotes these games like that he's meant to be uh, in the spotlights and throne. Uh, what do you think about him saying this is kind of like based on his life? I could see that uh, because, I mean, you look at the character model of Kazuma in this game and you look at him in Kiwami and it's like he's two different characters and you look mm. at Nagoshi in the early 2000s and you look at him now and it's like two different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> between so they the... changed too? Between all the Botox and and whatever else he's done, he's got the caps. He's ridiculous. Right. Oh my god! I, I people always have that meme where it's like, "This is the the guy that made Super Monkey Ball." He's like two different people, and you're like, "No, it's, yeah, I guess." I, I love when he's he's on that throne and he looks so like shiny and and orange. Oh, the Yakuza Four promo, and his cheeks are like like this. Yeah, a lot of Botox. The guy could afford it. Hey, well, you know, if I could afford it, I wouldn't do it because I'm gonna. I like, I like looking like a Dick Tracy villain. Like, wow. you know, stretch my face. Look at that. That's good. Pancake face. Hey. Do you think that but, he actually you know. knew a man that was so charismatic that he made a whole video game based around him? Yes. 
I think there's a real life Kazuma Kiryu out there that just walks around and does good deeds. And one day, yeah. one day, Nagoshi was helped by this man, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to make a video game about you. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. I'd believe it. Uh, so the game would eventually be announced on August 6, 2005, with Sega holding a press conference announcing the new game simply titled Project J. Sega would then hold another uh, press conference later that month in a, in a club in K- K- uh, Kobo Kichu. How do you say the real life Komorocho? Komorocho? Yeah, but they, yeah, that's how you say it, right? I've I never, think so. I like how I know Komorocho, but not the actual real I life always thought Komorocho was a real place. Me too. I never knew. <laughs> I literally just found out like maybe like four years ago. I feel like, like a moron. But anyway, yeah. the official title of the game was Like a Dragon. Uh, the game was in development for three years with a budget of $21 million. Uh, just for notes, I put that Shimu's budget initially was $70 million, or so it goes. Uh, did you know that this game was a development for three years and it cost $21 million? It doesn't look like it. It no, looks like a, a low-budget game. Right, and uh, especially <laughs> considering that I mean, the facial animation stuff is good. The cutscene stuff is great. Uh, right. The open there's a lot of loading. The open world is pretty basic RPG over the head uh, kind of uh, standard weird shifting cameras from like PS One era Resident mm-hmm. Evil. Uh, the fighting's a little clunky. Uh, so, I, like I would say, like to me, I was actually sur- surprised it was twenty one million dollars. Um, I wonder how much of this went and got re. Obviously, a lot a lot of it got reused in two. So maybe mm. that's another thing too that you gotta uh, save the company money, and I know Negoshi could uh, p- penny pinch as we've seen Yakuza games in the last five years. Um, so I don't know. I'm actually surprised. A lot of Yakuza I, I, that was a lot of things uh, back then was Shimu fans making fun of this game, saying that Shimu didn't even have a basis on how to make a 3D game like this, and they created it from the ground up. Uh, but they also cost almost three times as much. So. Yeah. Hard to know, but anyway. Uh, Nagoshi chose to make the game about Yakuza's to, due to the amount of violence the subject usually presented. It, it was also made to attract more gamers as he felt there were less gamers during the time the game was made. The development, of the, uh, the development team wanted to accurately portray Yakuza's, especially uh, such as their uh, obsession with uh, Jingi or Code of Honor. Uh, originally the game scenes ha- uh, had pinky fingers being cut off as traditional uh, punishment, but these scenes were removed because of the rating board. Uh, did you notice the lack of violence, like the finger cutting, which is kind of like a staple of Yakuza? Yeah, I, I, I did notice that they're a little bit nicer. I mean, they're not nice, nice, but, right. uh, they, they did, it, it doesn't feel like I'm watching HBO when I'm playing a Yakuza right. game. Um, especially in the later games where Yakuza are really kind of like off to the sidelines as like a threat, but they're not, I guess they're a main focus, but they're not. It's like who you're trying to hide from or get away from. <laughs> mm. Yeah. You know? Um, I agree. I think I, I noticed it too. And I think they make some allude that it's going to happen, but it never happens in some scenes in like later games where they're like, you got to give your finger in the end, in the end, they don't. Um, the character gets saved or something. Um, right. So there's a lot of that. Um, but yeah, um, as far as... Uh, I don't think you need the finger cutting. I think the game just... 
it kind of carved its own path. It's funny because when I think of Yakuza, I always forget, oh, yeah, they're mobsters. It's not this, this guy <laughs> called Kazuma Kiryu that just saves people in the streets. Um, but, yes, so let's discuss a little bit of the storyline. Do you want to read the storyline in your best Kazuma Kiryu voice? Oh, boy. It, it, I'm gonna... it has to be better than the Infinite Wealth dub, right? Oh, should I read it like an Infinite Wealth voice actor? Yeah. How do they say? They're like, on October 1st, 1995. Is it like that? Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> on like... a stormy autumn night in the Tokyo Entertainment District of Kamarocho, a mustachioed Yakuza family boss lies dead on the floor of his darkened office. The lightning punctuates his features, most notably his broken glasses. Though which the bullet oh through which the bullet that killed him went before entering his head. In <laughs> front of him stands a gray-suited young man, murder weapon in hand. A posse of police officers swarm into the office, weapons drawn, and order the man to drop the gun. The black-haired young man complies, turning around to reveal his face. The dead man's name is Sohei Dojima. The gray-suited man, Kazuma Kiru. Oh, no. Kiryu. Ka- Ka- I'll butcher it like they would in the English dub. Kazuma Cairo. It's not, it's not the one who pulled the trigger on his own patriarch. Rather, the deed was done by his sworn brother, Akira Nishiki Nishikiyama, in order to protect their childhood friend, Yumi Sawamura, from Dojima's advances. Ooh. Knowing that Nishiki's sister is gravely ill and needs to be looked after, Kiryu takes the fall for him and serves ten years in prison for a crime that is not his own. Ten years later, Kiryu is released from prison in the middle of a crisis within J- Japan's biggest Yakuza organization, the Tojo clan. Ten what? billion yen has gone missing from the organization, igniting a power struggle. On top of that, Yumi has gone missing, and Nishiki, now a powerful patriarch of his own Yakuza family, is out to kill him. Now Kiryu must unravel the threads, holding these mysteries together with the help of of Haruka, a young girl caught in the eye of the storm. Okay. So, I mean, one of my biggest pet peeves in the Yakuza games is they have like 15 storylines, especially this one when I was like, bro, we don't, we're not even talking about the detective storyline. We're not talking about the uh, like the patriarchs that have their own family that show up randomly. Like, Gora Majima wasn't even mentioned here. So they have right. so much things they introduce, which I guess makes it iconic in the end, but to like make my friends start a game like this i mean i don't know you know when you start yakuza and you're like i'm an hour in and i literally just got done doing the tutorial that's how (laughs) it feels trying to like i'm like it's hard to recommend people because of all the stuff they introduce i enjoy it but at the same time getting your friend to be like just palau two two hour tutorials my dude you'll be it's gonna be good i swear you know right Uh, but you know you think about the story i mean i'll admit I've never, I have not played every single Yakuza game all the way through. I have not it's, played every Yakuza game. I have not, I have not completed, have I? I don't think I've completed a Yakuza game. Um, which sounds, but I've never reviewed one, so that's okay. Uh, <laughs> but, um... I mean, I've gotten hours and hours into some of them, but then the next game releases, and I'm like, well, I got to put judgment on. I got to check that out. 
and then the next game releases and i'm like oh man um i love the games though it's just there's so much to be taken in and the way i kind of approach the yakuza games is that i own them all and i'm relatively young so i've got time you know like i i think there will come a time when i'm like just blazing through the yakuza games and i like finish like five of them you know um that time's not now it'll come maybe i'll retire and, and play yakuza games but as it as the story goes like i don't know like i i i've gotten into an argument with some people where they were like um I said, oh, I love the man who erased his name. It's so much fun. I'd recommend it to people even if they haven't played any Yakuza games. And they go, are you crazy? No, they need to play every single game leading up to that to understand the story. And I'm like, and the nuances. I'll be honest. I'll, I'll be honest, though. I jump into Yakuza games where I have, I'm like, I haven't, like, for example, uh, 2, 3, and 4 were unavailable to me for many years until they did the remasters. So I played a lot of Zero um a fair amount of the ps2 original a fair amount of kiwami 2 and then i and then i played uh six for a bit and like to me like i i have no idea what's going on but the games are fun i love the characters and i get invested in what's going on around them but like i'll I'll compare it to like uh sopranos where I've watched The Sopranos show like three or four times. Half the time, I don't know what's going on. You know, like I don't know the intricacies of like, oh, that guy like killed this guy, but then he went to prison for 15 years, but now he's like dating that woman, but he kidnapped this guy and that guy's brother like killed his son. I don't know what the fuck's going on, but I know like James Gandolfini like is a awesome actor and I like uh poly walnuts so you know like i'm good yeah <laughs> you know and just like with yakuza when i see um kazuma doing a funny side quest like i'm 100 percent invested even if i honestly don't really know what's going on in the game story i at least know i need to go here and fight a guy and watch a cool cutscene. so uh i think the story's fine for a first game i think the idea of him going to prison and coming out is probably good uh I- yeah. I wish they would have focused more on him trying to figure out how things change. Because, like, Yaku- Kazuma, like, is, like, so stone-faced. He's just a good guy that's trying to help people. And in this game, the yeah. city was trying to screw him over. So instead of him being the criminal, it almost felt like everyone else in Komorocho was a criminal except for our boy Kazuma Kirio. But um, I think one thing that made this game more popular and easy and more accessible than... Um, Shimu uh, was that this game had uh, a, be- a, f- a beginning, a middle, and an end in one game. So you could just play one of these games and not play another one and you feel satisfied. You don't need to know what happens next. If you liked it, there's more games that have their own self-contained storyline with their own... Like, 2 has its own boss, and then the boss is done. This one has its own boss, and he's done. And then right. there's 3, and then it's like you could... And they have enough cutscenes and extra features to catch you up on the story. So if you want to start in five, technically you could. So that's one thing I think sets uh, Yakuza apart from Shimyu that they tried to do in the past. And I think it's a good change. And that's why I think it's gotten more popular. Because people could just jump in. That's a great point. I think where Yu Suzuki really kind of stumbled with Shenmue is he he could have told a big epic story but have self-contained stories for each game. Mm-hmm. So that even if we're not like, 
I don't know, like, I, not to make this a Shenmue podcast now, but, like, in Shenmue 3, like, I, I, honestly, I played a bulk of that game. I haven't finished it yet. I played a, a, a lot of it, and I still kind of don't, I can't really think of anything that happened within it. You know right. what I mean? Like, I, I, I know some grand, like, movements from real going from one place to another, but I'm not like, oh, this one guy was the big bad. I don't know. Yeah, it, it kind of failed in that in that regard. But with Yakuza, I think they do do a really great job of having, like, the smaller story going on, and then there's the, the bigger arc. Um, yeah. So uh, one of the other things that I sets Yakuza apart is from other action games, role-playing games, especially from Japan, is that it's released in the real world, meaning that, like, if it's 2005... When it came out, it's 2005 in Yakuza. When Yakuza mm-hmm. 5 came out, yeah, it was, what, 2012? But we got it in 2015 yeah. or something like that, or 11. So it was, like, still 2011. And if it came out, like, in Christmas, sometimes they would literally, like, have a Christmas setting in some of the... Um, in Yakuza 5, I think there's a Christmas winter setting. So what do you think about them using the real time... Like, the characters growing up in real time with the user... I like it. Um, I, I, I noticed with the latest game that came out, Infinite Wealth, that uh, the Sega Play Centers are now, um, the Sega Club is now, uh, Club Sega's a Gigo. No! Which is, no. Um, did you know that? No, I didn't. I haven't played it yet. I was still trying to get through uh, yeah, the other one. Yeah, but I, I, I both hate that and love that because it's like, it's love it or hate it, it's a reflection of the era. You know, like, and I like how Yakuza is not living in some sugar-coated reality where Sega's always, you know, um, right uh, in the arcade business. Like, it's it's kind of cool to see a game like uh, Infinite Wealth that uh, celebrates Sega's past with a lot of really great arcade games. Also, it's kind of like maybe a commentary from the game's creators being like, Maybe they don't like the Gigo thing. Maybe they're they're pissed off at it, and they're like, "What better way to show how pissed off we are than to just have the club Sega arcades all close?" Um, right. So, yeah, it's I, interesting. I, I do like that. It's like it makes Kamarocho its own character because you come in every year, and they're like, "Something happened here. They closed off the streets." Or I like when they like let you experience the city in a different way. I think there's like a I think four is the one they let you go on the roofs and underground. So you're like, oh, yeah. there's stuff up, up on the on the roof. Okay, cool. So, I think they do that cool. Um, so Yakuza also changes the idea of the main protagonist, especially in Japanese games, being young. Uh, Ryu and Shimyu straight out of high school. Um, the Persona characters are all in high school. Uh, Cloud from Final Fantasy is uh, 21 in Yaku- uh, Final Fantasy 7. Kazuma mm-hmm. Kirio is 37 in the start of this game. You know the after the 10 years later, meaning he went from 27 to 37. Um, yeah. What do you think about this? Like they actually gave somebody that's over the age of 25 a game. I like that because, <laughs> yeah. uh, I was, when this game came out, I was, I was the, the younger, I was like a cloud kind of. And, yeah. and I'm actually now, I mean, he's, he's what? 50 in the latest game, right? Right. 50 something. He looks good yeah. for 50. Just like trip tipped. Tr- athletic body which is ridiculous yeah so it's kind of interesting that now um i i I mean i wouldn't i'm not 37 
but uh, I would be like a contemporary of his if I were like in Yakuza three maybe mm. um, or or two. So it's kind of interesting that I could start playing these games right now and identify with him more than I probably did when when they were coming out originally. So right. maybe I should just maybe I should hold off and just play the games when I'm the age of Kiro. So I have a few to catch up on, and then after that I'll just sit back and play uh, Yakuza 8 like in 10 years or something. I do. I, I like that they, <laughs> they made him an adult. I think uh, there's this weird... I guess they said that in Japan, obviously, Japanese culture, that the best years of your life are high school because all your friends before you go to work. But it's like, damn, Japanese culture is pretty depressing. So it's nice to see like ga- uh, these Yakuza games having these... Uh, Older gentlemen go on adventures with friends. It's like, it's okay to go out with your friends and drink and yeah. uh, have a good time. You don't have to work yeah. all the time. So I like it. Um, the development of the game involved the, div- uh, the division of development. Oh, they put the team into two. Distri- uh, the writing of the game was into two groups. Uh, one of them mm-hmm. was crafting the main plot and the other one was cr- creation of the subplots. Um Renowned novelist Hasi Saisho. I looked at his his books, and honestly, he doesn't have that many books that are popular. So I don't know if I would say renowned is the right word for him. But uh, he took the role of editor for the central plot, having joined the project two years prior to the commence of before they started development of the game. Despite his extensive experience as a gamer since the era of Space Invaders. Saishi's, uh admit uh, says he lost interest in gaming uh, in the recent years and instead folk, uh, uh, shifting his focus from 3D visuals and gameplay to uh, storytelling. I don't know. Um, I don't know what these notes are. Uh, okay, so he was supposedly in the busiest moment of his writing career and so mm-hmm. he still accepted the project. Negoshi, the driving force behind the game, Aim to provide players with enjoyment simply by traversing the streets of Komorochi. Uh The uh, Negoshi revealed that the original game's title, translating Like a Dragon, was his brainchild, selected its association with the strong and majestic image of dragons, symbolizing the strength and manliness of the, pro- of the protagonist, Kazuma. So when you see that dragon, do you get manliness coming from it? Do you get violence coming from it? Do uh, does your does your wife double check and go? Wow, stop! That's too much. <laughs> stop. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I always found the dragon to be a little crazy looking, uh, especially with those eyes. Look at those. Right. Eh. Oh, but, I, um, I, I did put in the notes, but the, about the Sega tattoo thing. God, I have to Google it right now before we do it. In the in yeah, the- I actually. Uh, well, you look for that. I actually have a, a book here. Have you seen this one? It's like. Um, I don't know what the point of this book is. It's all in Japanese, but it's like a character book for everything from Yakuza 0 through 7. Um, and it's, even though I can't read any of it, there's a lot of really cool uh, uh, character models, illustrations, but there's a whole page or two of um, all the characters' tattoos, which is really mm, neat. Nice. So you can check that out. Um, I think it's for... I think the, the this promotion was for Yakuza 3, because it's yeah. in 2010. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sucks. Oh, there's stuff for Yakuza Online in here, too. The cards or whatever. That's kind of neat. So, um, 
Yeah, if you're a Yakuza fan, this is a, a cool little book. But it, it does uh, rewrite history. It doesn't talk about the PS2 releases. It, it It's all Kiwami. That's weird. Kiwami, uh, I feel, has more content and release things than anybody, like any, than the original game. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I was going to say, uh, what do you think about the name Like a Dragon compared to Yakuza? Which do you prefer as a gamer? Because I know they I... changed it now. I prefer Yakuza just because we've we've had it for so long. Um, I, I don't know if it hurt the brand to drop it. Uh, it's I, it's interesting that in recent months or, or in the past six months or so, Sega Shop uh, and Sega Shop Europe like use both names still. If you go to the Sega Shop dot co dot uk, it's um. Yakuza's the brand, not like a dragon. So I think more people are searching Yakuza when they want to like buy things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I don't think like a dragon has the name recognition. If anything, I think Infinite Wealth is more recognizable for people right now than like a dragon. And I think some people are calling it like Yakuza Eight or Yakuza Infinite Wealth. It's just I. I I don't know. I feel like Like a Dragon really hasn't broken through yet, and I think it's going to take a while for it to. Um, do you like the I, name? I think I, I like the idea of just calling it like, okay, so you got one Yakuza 1 through 6. And yeah. And you had Yakuza Like a Dragon. They should have kept the name Yakuza Like a Dragon and then just added a 2. Like So now the Ichiban oh. games are just separated, but still have the name Yakuza and Like a Dragon. In one title, and it's kind of like you rebooted the franchise in a way? I think it was a mistake to keep... your See, as much as I defend the Yakuza name, I think it was a mistake to change the name... Have Seven called Yakuza Like a Dragon. Mm. Um, because then the next one was Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. It should have been Like a Dragon... Just call it like a dragon, and the next one like a dragon, infinite wealth. And I think it's it's sneaky that the infinite is an eight on its side. So it's it's clearly right, Yakuza right. eight, and in Japan it's Yakuza eight. Right. Um. I just think in in the U.S. they're afraid of numbers, uh, as they should be, because so. I feel like they probably did a pool, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, I, I I shouldn't buy six because I haven't played the rest of them." Like the fans tell them, <laughs> and so right. I'm pretty sure it's that. Right, and and yeah, I, I think especially when you have six games starring this, this one guy, and then the seventh one comes, it's a brand new guy. But what's interesting is, I, th- I think it's funny that uh, Yakuza, like a dragon, should really be the title of Infinite Wealth, because it brings together both the Yakuza games and the like a dragon games. Mm, you know? Right, <laughs> it's right. like, wait, why is the one where Kiryu is just a, a cameo... The one with Yakuza in the title, and the one where he's like a second character, the one where his name's not in the title. Also, um, I don't like the idea that like people are like, oh, well, it's not the Yakuza. Well, I don't want to plot spoiler, but there's no more Yakuza. Let's say that. Um, and people are like, so that's why you take away the name. But I'm like, not really, because when you play the new ones, they always bring up like there's secretly still Yakuza's out there. Every every single plot. So to me, it's like, no, stop. You just they wanted to change the name. I'm okay with that, but that's right. Not but that's kind of like if they made more seasons of Sopranos and and Tony was like, I'm not in the mafia anymore. And it's like, yeah, but you're still 
that's what made you. Right. Like that's your whole back. That's your whole backstory. Right. So even if the Yakuza aren't in Yakuza Eight, they're still there. Like right. on screen, they're just former. <laughs> I don't know. So I think this next part is uh, interesting because I feel like uh, the realistic part of the game is uh, overblown. But uh, while Sega had the basic plot in mind when approaching Saishu, the novelist, they sought his expertise to infuse realism and emotional depth to the narrative. Under his guidance, the ages of, the, of characters like uh, Makoto Date and uh, Kazuma Kirio underwent modifications to enhance the overall story. Crafting mm. subplots proved to be less rigid task as the team aimed for each subplot to seamlessly blend with the main story, maintain, maintaining, uh, maintaining a consistent emotional tone. Some uh, initially proposed ideas that were discarded for their perceived silliness, while others, like a subplot involving a man facing rejection and attempting suicide, face a brink of removal from the game due to similar concerns before ultimately making it into the final cut. Uh, I feel like the silliness of Yakuza actually sold the game after a while and letting these uh, the team members be as silly as they want. Uh, yeah. actually sold more copies than the gritty realism Yakuza stuff. Like he, he, he was like doing stuff like he has to go to prison because uh, that's what happens in Yakuza. Uh, you have to be old for that reason, but it's not really why it's interesting. Like I agree he did. Yeah. Some of the st- foundation he laid was good, but allowing these characters to be silly is, I think, what ma- uh, made it as popular as it is. You have this like foundation of realism with silliness on top of it. Right. Well, and I think that really works because you can't have a game that's all gritty realism downers plots because it's also a video game. Video games are supposed to be fun. And I think when you counter it with silly moments, it, it really enhances when the drama hits. And I, I've I've brought it up already, but like a ton of HBO shows do that. Sopranos has a lot of really silly stuff in it, like fighting over um, like uh, bread at a at a dinner, or um, or a singing uh, you know novelty Billy Bass. Um, and then uh, I, I just started watching Oz. Have you seen that? I've seen that. Yeah. That yeah. Show yeah. Is I effed up. It's brutal, but there's also silly stuff like a guy who is trying to dig his way out, you right. know, or um, or just like yeah, there there's there's these two sides, but that's what enhances when the really dark stuff happens because you're like, man, I was just laughing at that one scene, and now this guy is getting you know like brutally blanked you know? right right yeah um uh. i would say even gta has is very silly it obviously has realism like when you play yeah. uh red dead redemption 2 it looks real uh some of the missions you do is real even the hunting's real like depending on the temperature that's how the meat rots they do all this stuff but then the characters are ridiculously drunk right i think though with those games like red any of the rockstar stuff the amount of freedom they give you enhances the silliness because right. you'll have guys like tying people. They're like lassoing people as they're standing on top of a train and then like flying them like kites. Right. That's not what the creators intended, but it's also what the creators intended. It's like they set up that reality for that to happen. Whereas in Yakuza, it, it, there's a lot less control that player has over who they fight, what they do. Like at most you can like walk into things and knock them over. 
and it's kind of silly. Mm. Um, or or do selfies with random people on the street. Right. But that's something they that's, could fix. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, so let's look at the characters. There's a few characters in this game. I didn't put everyone in here because we it would be a lot. This, this Who's game, that this, guy? This guy's Kazuma Kadio Kadiriu. Kadiriu. That's not the guy I saw in Yakuza. He looks Kiwami. totally different, doesn't he? What yeah. do you think about the uh, different looks? Like, do you prefer the PS2 look or the new Kazuma look? Because they I are like, different structured. I like the new one. Okay. I this guy looks like someone I I like a friend of mine. I'm actually oh, really? I'm looking for a photo of him because he kind of looks like this guy. Uh, well, if you find it, I'll put you on big screen <laughs> so you can show everyone. But uh, yeah. uh, the next guy is uh, Shinji Tanaka, which is funny because this guy is just like a side character. He hangs out. He's the guy that like you beat up some like uh, guy that owes you guys debt. Uh, yeah, yeah. They call him the man with the iron pipe. Why do you think they call him that? Because he has an iron pipe. What does that mean? I don't know. And does he who? hit people with it? He's supposed to be in... Yeah, I guess so. Uh, he beats up debtors. Um, Shinji is a loyal ally and always ready to help Kazuma Kirio whenever possible behind the scenes. He is also somewhat of a... Per, has a perverted side enjoying the soaplands in his spare time and even trying to pursue persuade Kiryu to get laid. That ain't gonna happen. Nice. Kiryu is not doing that. We all know that. But... uh yeah, he's just a side character. There's nothing really big. Uh, this guy's pretty popular. Uh, Goro Majima. He has his Very own family. Uh, what? He's kind of like evolved to be a totally different character after Yakuza 0. He's kind of like when I first played the game, even though the voice actor obviously makes sense, but he is basically the Joker of Yakuza. He just comes in, does silly stuff, right. punches people, stabs people, blows up a building, and then leaves. So definitely... Right. Got he got a lot more um, characterization now. Um, what do you think about uh, the voice acting in this game for him? Because I mean, even the new guy kind of copies uh, this Yaku this Yakuza one uh, Mark Hamill voice, right? I mean, yeah, he's very Joker esque, so it makes sense. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I thought he was one of the stronger characters. Uh, English voiced characters in the game. If we're just talking specifically that, I agree. Uh, Reina is the the next one. She is kind of the I don't know. She's kind of weird. So she owns the bar where you guys all hang out with at right Yumi, Nishiki, and uh, Kazuma. Um, yeah, Serena. Um, besides that, she kind of like is in the background. She has a big reveal towards the end, which I won't spoil so if you play the game don't spoil it so if you ever play the game for the first time uh she has a twist uh so she is a more main character um and has a lot of background story with the main two heroes or villain and hero nishki uh he's the villain of the game he used to be kazuma's friend he's the guy that sent that killed the patriarch which sent our boy Kazuma Kirio to 10 years in prison. He did it for him. Yet when he comes out, it feels like he wants to kill, kill Kirio and doesn't really care. So interesting. I liked, it. I liked him as the first bad guy for the game. I think 
now he's kind of become iconic. I think the first two bad guys have become iconic since they never really came back officially. Like, they literally mm-hmm. never came back. That's the crazy part. Outside of Zero, right? Right. You got the picture? I don't. I, okay. I was trying to find it. I found one of him, but it, it's not like a good picture of him. Uh, Yumi, oh well. <laughs> Sa- uh, Yumi Sawamura. Uh, she is Kazuma's love interest. Um, obviously, it doesn't work out. He goes to prison, but he's she's the one that got sexually assaulted by the patriarch. I don't feel bad for him getting shot in the head for that. So, can't do what you want, dude. I'm sorry. But uh, what right, do you think right, about right. her? You think she's a good-looking woman, 3D model? Sure, why not? You know, the the, the all the 3D model, all the characters in this game look like you tell me this came out after Shenmue by a good like three or yeah. four years. It's wild because these look so they don't look so basic. I don't know. They look so soft and. And I get it, because Shenmue, they put a lot of effort into making their characters look very... But is it because the PlayStation 2 just couldn't do what the Dreamcast could in terms of, text, in terms of textures? I think there's it has its strong suits, and I think the Dreamcast kind of like... Uh, uh, Sega AM2 took the best of what the Dreamcast had to offer, and they kind of capitalized it. I feel like this game is... Uh, <clears throat> I don't know, I feel like they just pulled it out quickly... Uh, the yeah. PlayStation 2005. It's already they're already hyping next generation. So it was this weird right, time right. period. So I don't know how much of that affected it, but uh, yeah, Yumi is her uh, Kazuma's love interest. Next we have. Honestly, I'm surprised when I first played the game. I I thought this guy was a one-off story, but uh, Makoto Date, the detective. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's funny because when I played the game, I was like complaining about how like. In the middle of a Yakuza game, they always add these like new characters and they make you do side missions that literally have nothing to really do with the main mission. And one of the missions was Date's daughter being a uh, making pornography or something, which is weird. It's And she's like straight out of high school and I guess Kazuma has to beat up the guys, that, her boyfriend that's convincing her to do this. Uh, I thought that was weird, but he's a main character. He's been in all the Yakuza games, yeah, literally. He, uh, so, what do you think about this character, the detective hanging out with a ex-criminal? I, I, it's comforting. He's like Columbo. I just, I like that he's around. I like when he shows up. Um, you know, he's, he's like a warm blanket. He's like a warm glass of milk. You know, it's just nice to have him. Uh, the next one is Haruka Saramura. Uh, oh, she look at her. Is a baby in this game and you she's basically our daughter that we see grow up during these games uh, uh yeah obviously in the newer game she's a full adult and even in six is has a child of her own so it's crazy it's to see crazy. go go back to yakuza one so it's one of the cool things about the game is obviously real-time growth for the characters so this is one um the florist is sai this Guy is the guy that kind of introduces the idea that, well, the homeless people, really. Like, he introduces the homeless people story, which is kind of a staple in Yakuza, giving the voice mm-hmm. to people that are, uh, I guess, in the streets that you usually don't hear stories from. Obviously, they kind of humanize these people, so it's an interesting part of the game. This character has been in Yakuza until Yakuza 5, I want to say. Um, so, yeah. Uh, a long-term character so that's kind of your main cast um yeah 
let's talk a little bit about the gameplay of this game. Um, the gameplay is an open-world action-adventure brawling game mixed with light RPG elements like leveling up, uh, which uh, let me lower the volume. Um, which gives you combat experience. Uh, the game also has quick time events like Shimyu and has heat moves, which you unlock with the experience you gain, but these give you massive damage and these cool, brutal animated combos and stuff you can do, um, like yeah. throwing people in cars. Uh, the game includes three types of battle modes, including event, well, not gameplay modes, uh, event, which is like cutscenes, uh, adventure, uh, moving on the map, and battle. The battle is a, is a brawler like Spike Out, which allows you to do rush combos, grabs, guards, and sway. Uh, uh, there's also a bunch of mini games in adventure mode, but not as much as pre uh, recent games. We, we got yeah. like, there's like so little. There's like a Claw McCrane, Batting Cage, the Casino with Blackjack and that kind of stuff. Uh, Toba, which I don't know what it is, and Patchy Slots. Um, I think in the arcade games, they had one game Sorry. that was... Uh, made up for this right it's like a it's like a side-scrolling 2d shooter so the arcade games you don't pay your debts the arcade games aren't even arcade games really like in yeah. these games so far but they do have sega um what is it what are they called the sega arcade shops what are they called over there sega city or whatever they're called uh club sega club sega there you go sorry yeah 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 brain fart so yeah they have club segas you could see arcade cabinets you just can't play them in this one which is honestly disappointed me when i first played it because i came from shimu and shimu had at least like space right. harrier and all these things right, so i was right, like right. I, that that obviously now we're over the hill like yakuza today has surpassed obviously the wildest dreams of yak uh shimu ever wish it had but yeah. back then you it, i could see why shimu fans so what did you think of the gameplay compared to something like Shimu? Uh, I know when the game came out, it was bashed by Shimu fans. Um, so, what do you think about the gameplay? I, I I dig it. You know, it's it's kind of recognizable as Shenmue, but it's a little more simplified, streamlined. Um, there's a lot less. Uh, there's a lot less. What, what I was going to say uh, to do, but that's mm. kind of a good thing. Because like I, I, as much as I love Shenmue, like I can't imagine Yakuza hitting me with like his house and being able to go through every drawer and like mm. being like, oh, what's this little secret thing? Like that would be cool, but that's not what this game is. This game's about getting the story and and moving it along. It's kind of like a page turner, whereas Shenmue is more like looking at a painting and taking everything in and and taking your time. Um, I I think the mini games. Now going back and playing the original, this original version of the game leave a lot to be desired. But it's oh, still, yeah. it's still cool that they gave you what they did. I I think it's wild that uh, now with Yakuza Eight you can play Spike Out, which this game is basically a follow up from in terms right. of the combat. Um, and I mean it's interesting too that the Yakuza games allowed you to play uh or allow you to play Virtua Fighter 3 um which are really what Shenmue was at the time. Right. So uh it, it's kind of wild that the Yakuza games let you play the original arcade games that inspired both Yakuza and Shenmue. Um and I don't know if you saw it but there's actually a like extended Shenmue reference in Infinite Wealth which is pretty I believe wild. It. 
Because there's like Dreamcast <laughs> so, references in the first story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they talk about Game Gear and stuff. So there's yeah. there's a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I think... I, I don't think we're going to get into it too much here. But like I know that there's a little... There had been in the past... Uh, some like bad blood between the Shenmue fandom and the Yakuza fandom. I think because the Yakuza fandom kept getting games, whereas the mm. Shenmue fans were just like, "What the hell, man!" <laughs> like we got two, and and Yakuza's got the sixth one coming out now, seventh one. Um, I, I, but I, I think, yeah, right. Go. I was gonna say, I just think that uh, they're totally different games, and like I said, right. the story having an arcing overall narrative and reusing assets and staying in Kamurocho helped compared to moving and making new assets for China and all these things. Right. Like they're totally different games. Uh, Yakuza's not telling an epic story. It's more like a TV series and each game's a season where mm-hmm. it very well could not be picked up again. Um, and you know, if, if Yakuza ended with Yakuza five, I think people would be fine. If it ended with six, people would be fine. Um, right. And and also I I think now they've really found their uh, you know their hit their stride with what a a yakuza or like a dragon game is. But it's the what this game presented I thought was pretty cool. I I, I think it's good. I'm glad that it's not like Shenmue, but it is like Shenmue at the same time. Yeah. I thought the combat in Shimu was way more advanced. Like this game had way too much loading. Even Shimu had better loading, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and you can't, when you're in the middle of a combo, you can't stop a combo and hit backwards or anything, which obviously they changed in the HD remaster that they re-released, and obviously Kiwami. But just little right. things, it's rough. Um, but it, the way that the cut, I think, I think some of the cutscenes and the facial animation still hold up, like the lip syncing is really good. I, I'm surprised, and I think that's something they kept up during the game. So like now when you play them, they even have lip syncing for the English dub, which is crazy. So, very yeah. cool. Um, let's talk talk about English. Let's talk about the localization of this game, which caused a lot of controversy. So, the localization of Yakuza was less than stellar, uh, with localization team taking too much liberties with changing characters' names. Uh, Shintaro Kazama, Kazama, which is Kurio's adopted daddy. Uh, being chased to Fuma, his last name, because Kazuma and Kazuma were too similar. The forest hmm. Asai is called Kage. Also, the Japanese version of Kyrio is usually called by his uh, first name with an honorific San or Chan. While in yeah. the English ver- version, Kiryu is replaced mostly with Kazuma. Uh, also, I guess... Um, Kiryu in the first game calls Majima Big Brother Majima. <laughs> in the dub, he simply calls him Majima-san, which I think is the yeah. same thing. I think that's similar, I think, enough, in my opinion, to not be that big of a deal. Uh, what do you think of changing names for localizations like this? I know we talked a little bit about it on our Sonic Triple Trouble episode with Fang and Knack. Right, right. I mean, you know, in the case of this, like, they, they tried a lot of things that they thought would work, but they clearly didn't and they didn't stick Mm -hmm. so you know it's it's kind of like an alternate universe (laughs) yakuza where it's like seeing sega sort of fumble localization of this game and then when we get around to kiwami it's kind of like them doing it right uh so it's 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 a curiosity um i've always found this game now in context to the series like when i look at 
this on the shelf, it's kind of like the equivalent of me looking at my Jackie Chan Blu-rays. And like, mm. I have these really cool collections of the original Cantonese or what does he speak? Mandarin. I, I think he's Cantonese um, versions of the films. And then sitting next to them is like Rumble in the Bronx, which is just like, this is kind of like the Rumble in the Bronx of you um, know the series where it's just like i i like it for what it is but it's silly it's cheesy it's making some stupid decisions mm-hmm. but like it's also like this is the game where i get to hear the the voice actor for goofy play a character just like in right. uh rumble in the bronx you get to hear that like woman who's like oh jackie let me give you a big kiss you're like what the hell way better <laughs> so it's yeah so it's like it's it's kind of a it's to go back and experience this it's just kind of a curiosity and it's kind of funny right um but yeah none none of these these changes they made really stuck and are good in my opinion um so that's a little more i agree i don't like when they change names just because as a writer now you have to be like i'm glad they didn't stick with it you know what i mean yeah because like there'll be moments where like knack stuck for so long and uh fang that now it's this weird thing on the internet even though we have an official one uh eggman right. and robotnik is another one that's annoying to still talk about so right well at least yeah at least these things didn't stick around so much that they had to like uh uh what's the word um retcon them like right. with knack um there's a comic a digital comic that came out for superstars sonic superstars where he was like, I go by many different names because I'm, you know, a, a bounty hunter and I, you know, I have to be sneaky. So, you know, some people know me as Knack. Some people know me as Fang. You know, he he has different names and he even lies about like what his species is, which is like a nod to the fact that Sega called him a uh, weasel for a while, but he's like a Jerboa. <laughs> so, yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's funny. But, yeah. um. So, um, as you know, the game in English has a, is a lot more vulgar than the original Japanese script. According oh, to, yeah. the, to the translators, Sega explicitly encouraged them to drop more F-bombs. One of the translators who worked on the localization actually did a really good uh, blog post on japansubculture.com. Um, let me put the, uh, video, the article up. Uh, where he kind of talks about his experience with Sega, uh, Sega Japan, oddly enough, I think. Mm-hmm. He says, he, this is a, a little blurb from it to whet your appetite. The following months consisted of me dis, dis, uh, deciphering English into something cliche, uh, sometimes ghetto thug-inspired dialogues. I was explicitly encouraged to add loads of fucks and shits. <laughs> I remember reading a review shortly after the release. I thought it was one up, but I can't seem to find it that complained about the excessive usage of swear words the writing process involved my work partner and i doing back and forth native japanese checks and rewrites as well as having numerous uh, frustratingly counterproductive meetings i recall one meeting concerning about how to translate terms used in the hierarchy like oyabun uh, i can't say some of these things chinapira uh, personally, mm. I wanted to keep it all in Japanese, but Sega insisted that it had to be in English. I first suggested, half jokingly, that we we should use mafia equivalents. They actually oh considered it for a while. Luckily, they got vetoed and straight up translated the ranks. 
like brother for Anaki and henchman for Kaboon, Kaban, um, was used and the end product, in my opinion, was generic but less authentic. Uh, yeah. What do you think about the translating team having hard troubles with Sega, keeping it authentic, when Sega themselves with Negoshi wanted the game to be realistic, even hiring a novelist? Yeah, that's a big fumble on Sega of America's part, and it just kind of goes... It, it seems like some of the people there from the mid-90s were probably still around, because if you remember, we've had uh, uh, Japanese food turned into hamburgers in localizations. Right. So right. this seems like turning uh, uh, a, a bowl of rice into a hamburger. It's just like stupid Sega decisions where it's like, you know, we have a game where it's very clearly set in Japan. What should we do for the food? Oh, give them hamburgers. <laughs> like, you know, uh, they did just... that with uh, Phoenix, right? The hamburger and remember the rice? Like, they don't, we don't know what rice is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm happy that we're um, going away from that. Like, if you played 13 Sentinels, um, one of the big things is the Japanese food. I've, like, I found out about new Japanese food from that game more than I have. For going sure. to Japanese restaurants, you know, so it's oh, absolutely, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it's yeah. funny because there's a, a big Japanese market near me, and I go there and I see all these like, uh, uh, what are they called? Um, what's the nice term for uh, white kids who are like super into Japanese culture? Weeaboo, um, weeaboo, and they're like all into the pop culture stuff, and they know like all the all the manga and all the statues being sold. I walk in there, I can't recognize any of the stuff. Like, maybe the, the Studio Ghibli things catch my eye, but I'm like, 95% of the things there I don't rec rec recognize. But then mm -hmm. when I go into the food court, I recognize all the foods because I've played the Yakuza games. And I'm like, oh, I know what that is, and I know what that is. Right. And so it's like, You're a real what I really... You're really yeah, into when, Japanese culture. <laughs> and so what I really appreciate about these games, and, and the Shenmue games to an extent, but then you leave Japan pretty quickly, um, is that they 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 kind of give put you in the shoes of someone who's really living there. Not like some anime character where it's like they're trying to teach you about some weird magic that doesn't actually exist in the real world. But they teach you about like... Uh, manners and about um, family uh, family and about and I, I remember not too long ago they were actually interviewing or, or one of the localization team members from the recent games was talking about how they realized that the draw for these games is that you are it, it's kind of like traveling without traveling like you're experiencing uh, kind of the real world culture of Japan to an extent and so why not like faithfully translate those things so that people can understand instead of being like, I thought they ate all hamburgers in Japan. It's like, Oh, Chicken I, I, and Mountain Dew. right. Exactly. Like, I, I think it's really cool that like these games kind of educate me on actual stuff. And I'm not saying I'm better than the, the weeaboo who are like at the Japanese markets, but I feel like I'm getting a better experience than they are where they're just like jumping at this like manga that they, they saw the anime version of on Toonami. Whereas with me, I'm like experiencing some really good food. I otherwise wouldn't have, have sought out because I saw it in the cutscene of, right. <laughs> of Yakuza, right. you know? So it's, it's like, I, I really love this series in that sense. And I've, uh, because of COVID, I had a, a 
trip to Japan that was canceled, and I, I don't think it's going to happen for quite some time. So these games are the best bet, next best thing for me, you know, I, at I least like until looking... I'm like 45 <laughs> or something. I was going to say, I really like looking at the architecture, especially when 6 came out. Like, I spent yeah. so much time looking at the buildings in the new way, in the new place you were. Uh, I forgot where it was. Was it Hakuba? I forgot where it was, the, the sixth uh, new location. But regardless, the yeah. little alleys and the way it was a little town, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really cool. But the nooks talk- and crannies. Right. They really do a good job about it. And I was I was blown away by the Dragon Engine. I was surprised that people didn't were complaining about it. They were like, Yakuza yeah. Zero was better. I was like, you guys, shh, <laughs> don't make me mad. Anyway, let me enjoy something. Um, Sega of America actually got big voice actors to do the du- dub or uh, movie actors, I would say more like. Yeah, it. yeah. Um, um, it included Mark Hamill himself, who played a little guy named Luke Skywalker. You might have heard of him from a little indie franchise called Star Wars. Uh, yep. He also voiced uh, the Joker. And then Michael Madsen, who did Mr. Blonde from a movie <laughs> from some movie that I've never heard about called Reservoir Dogs. Um, yep. uh, so Sega released a, a couple of these uh, behind-the-scenes videos. We won't be watching the ones just for the, the people. So we'll watch the first one, the actors, the behind-the-scenes one, where they mm. kind of give you a little glimpse of everyone's acting. So let's look at it. I'll play yeah. it now. The music is ridiculous. You initiate. That's silly. <laughs> you left yourselves open. I was hoping that we could work together again. If this bomb explodes, oh, the 10 Lex million Luther. hidden in the bar will go up in flames. If you met her, you'd see it right away. <laughs> like Whoa. always, you're as tough as nails. You won't get past me. Shimano is uh, a big package. He's not Gulliver, he's big, however. He's a big package. He's, uh, he's kind of dangerous. Uh, doesn't suffer fools. Um, but I think somewhere deep down in the heart of Shimano, <laughs> maybe he cares. I couldn't remember your name, At least but your smile, your mannerisms, I remembered. Still, it was very vague. There were so many gaps. I wasn't able to wait this for you. This is silly. <laughs> What's that? It's like the, she's she's the worst a, voice actor. And those aren't real recording sessions. I think, not, I, really love video games. I think they are because they, when you this see them side by side, really they use the actual today. one, I think. When they were showing maybe they just sound video clips of what this was, like they have a trailer for it. I was like, oh, I better bring my game to this now, doing the voice for this, because this is, oh, this is the real deal. In the presence yeah, exactly. of all the affiliate bosses, this so I'd like bad. to ask the chairman something. I'd like to ask the chairman no, something. No, stop! Stop it, both no. of you! Sorry no, stop! Anyway, it's just like you to surprise me like this. I think uh, if the game works, perhaps uh, there'll be a new game called The Return of God. Shimano. If you have kids of your own, you're going to have to teach them a little respect. I'm doing this because he disrespected you. He's learned his lesson. The last game I remember liking was The Warriors, (laughs) and this looked even cooler than that. So I'm excited to to start playing this game. Uh... So there we go. I was going to say, um, it's funny that he said in the end right there that the last game he played was the Warriors, the Rockstar game. Yeah, um, yeah. It's interesting. What do you think about the voice actors? And I think, oh my God, some of them are so bad. I can't believe they kept it in a trailer and then said, yeah, we're putting this out there. Like the girl going, no, both of you stop. I'm just like, no. 
it's it's interesting because it's like a mix of like stunt casting and then people who are actually really well known established like game voice actors or, Mark or Hamill animation being voice. Yeah, like Mark Hamill, he's he's probably the best one that they got there. Right. Um, and it's kind of wild that like they could afford him then, and nowadays there's absolutely no way you could afford Mark Hamill for a game like this. Right. Um, uh, whereas there, there is uh, oh, man, who, who's in the stunt casting they did for eight? Uh, he plays himself basically. Uh, what do you mean the stunt casting? Uh, oh, he's got the mustache. Uh, oh, machete. machete. Yeah. Uh, fuck. I, am I supposed to know because I'm Hispanic? Um, I forgot his name. Yeah, but right. Yeah, he's he's Machete. That's his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's For kind Spike of like kids. he. Yeah, it's 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 just kind of wild that like he's he's in Yakuza Eight, and I feel like his career is kind of like at the place where Mark Hamill's was at the time of the original Yakuza, where it's like he was in some big stuff, and now we can afford him because he just does animation voice acting. But yeah, some of the other ones are like. Let's get pretty girls to voice pretty girls, and that's not really how it works. No, um, Rachel Leah Cook is is interesting because she was in uh, Josie and the Pussycats, which is a nice Sega iconic. Movie, yeah, is has a ton of Sega uh, uh, product placement, um, which I'm kicking myself because they did an anniversary screening like last year. Oh yeah, in Chicago for that movie, and I didn't go because I didn't know about it, and I was like, ah, I could have like. Met the director and been like, "Why was there so much Sega product placement?" Because they paid him. That you know, yeah. that's why. Uh, that's a sweet movie, though. Um, yeah. She was good in that, but she yeah. wasn't that Cause... great. I mean, I guess she was one of the better female voice actresses in in this movie. But yeah, man, uh, Michael Madsen, like he's <laughs> this is him. I think this is him coming off of uh, or close to uh, Kill Bill, right? And in Kill Bill, he's like washed up loser. And, here? and in this game, he in in here he's like a real life washed up loser. <laughs> exactly what I was thinking when I was watching him. It's like, I wonder how much Sega paid him. Like, do you think they just gave him like a hundred dollars in coupons to Sega games and like I a don't pack know. of beer? They probably were saying. I bet his. I bet for a lot of these people, their agents were like, "Look, this is going to be a big video game franchise. Video games are becoming like." huge like there's there's these things like you know like the final fantasy games were huge so they're probably like look you 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 do this and you're gonna be this character for like the next 10 years and you're just gonna progressively get more and more money um i i feel like that was kind of the vibe around this time i wasn't it um there were some other games coming out around this time and like the big story was who was voice acting them I'm I'm blanking, but uh, not siphon filter. What's the one with the three green dots on the guy's head? Sif- you know what I'm talking. Siphon talk- filter. Yeah, siphon filter. That's it, right? Didn't right. they have like a big stunt no, wait, casting wait, no. for? It was. Uh, it's not siphon filter, but I, uh, I can't think of it. Sorry. But it's I I just tough. remember like it always be like the big story in like next gen or Xbox Nation like who the voice actor was. And that was kind of this era where the voice actors were really starting to dip into Hollywood talent because they were seeing that there was a lot of money to be made on mm. on video games, especially with these ones where it's like, well, they're not cartoons because they're swearing a lot. So it's really an, it's an adult-focused uh, 
17 plus games. So Michael Madsen was like, ah, cool. Do I get a free PS2? And they're like, sure, why not? Oh. I'm sorry. I was looking at for something. I was trying to look for the ending song because they play like an American song in the end. But yeah. I can't I can't I can't remember the name cuz I'm all I'm not in the American propaganda system, so I don't know about all these American songs. Well, you know sing. what? When when did Yakuza come out uh to America? 2005? 2006, 2006. What what year what month? Uh I'm not sure actually. Let me look it up. I'd be curious to know. Curio. Curious to know. Curious to know? Um, Outside of the voice actors, though, uh, I would say, obviously, uh, Majima was the most... uh, He stole the show. Uh, The guy that played Kazuma wasn't even in the video, as you could tell, because he had no voice credits to really talk about. So what do you think about that, actually? That they gave Kazuma to a guy that was unknown. Yeah, they don't show him off in this, which is surprising. Um, but he's the one that actually September did 5th, return. Yeah, well, what I was going to say was that uh, in in November 2006, uh, The Sopranos had their video game release. Oh, that good one. Yeah. Almost well, no, as not good. good at all. Uh, Sopranos, <laughs> the, the Road to Respect. Um, so if you look at that, that was sitting on the shelf alongside this game. And Sopranos was... Uh, in their second to last season at this time. So I think there was this kind of like thing going through Hollywood where it's like, you know, like video games, we should start taking them seriously. And, and, you know, it, it really blew up with stuff like, uh, Metal Gear Solid two, um, and, and some other one, uh, Final Fantasy 10. Um, so yeah, I, I could see, I could see why they made these hires. Me too. I mean, it's. It, I think even. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, it makes sense. But like, I don't. I don't feel like they promoted it enough. You know what I mean? No. Like, because well, I feel it, like every time I bring it up, people are like, "Oh my god, the Joker voiced Majima or whatever." Oh, that they didn't promote it enough. See, for right. me, I feel like they used. They promoted it mostly with this instead of having Nagoshi mm. like in front of the camera. They um, should have done that or, too. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like now with Yakuza 8, they're spending too much time on Twitch streamers and influencers promoting the game when they don't talk to the team. You know, like, who is the new RGG studio? Like, what's their what's their thought? And I think what I really loved about uh, Sonic Frontiers is we actually saw a lot of commentary from the director um, on, on Twitter at the time. You remember that? He was like really right. open about talking about the game and, and answering people's questions. And he was really accessible. And I think now, like, Nagoshi's gone. Um, you know, whoever's in charge of the games now, I feel like they just don't, they're not accessible. Um, I, I, well, heck, I, we, I think we got, an inter- we got an interview with Nagoshi. Remember that? Yeah, we had to like email a lot for that one to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, they're like, oh, he has thirty minutes to answer. Quite okay. Here's my questions. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk about more about the English. So originally during the release, one of the biggest complaints was that the uh, game in America only had English uh, voice cast and couldn't be played in the original Japanese language. Yeah, that with English sucked. subtitles. Sega America at the time, and I think they said this just to make people shut up. Like, oh, we tried, guys. Uh, said that they tried to uh, pitch the idea of having the game with both, 
but it would be too costly because obviously they would have to do a retranslation and it would be two disc because of the audio. Yeah. Um, do you think that's BS or do you, and do you think uh, it it should have stayed Japanese at the time? Because I mean, how many people, how many games came out back then that were actually Japanese with subs? Like, I can't even I, think of one. I don't think it's BS because the uh, Sakura Wars, so so long, my love, the PS2 version came with two discs. There was a, a dub disc and a, a, a sub disc. So um, I, I totally believe that that they would okay. have had to have a, a two disc set. Yeah, but I just don't think because it... uh, PlayStation on. discs were DVD based, right? So... Yeah, I thought they got nine gigabytes. I do wonder how big this game is. So let me see. I mean, I could look online, but it's always somebody ripping it, and you know, right? The audio. Gigabyte. Yeah, there you go. The audio could be shrunk. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I agree. I mean, I, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. Obviously, one DVD disc wouldn't have cost Sega a fortune, but it would have obviously put up pricing per unit. Um, but do you think it would have sold better if it was in Japanese, or do you think it was going to happen was what was going to happen because of the market? I, I think what was going to happen was what going to happen. Like this game would not have found some other audience because I don't think that audience really existed at the time, like it does now. I agree. Um, yeah, it, it it took a long time, and I'm glad Sega was persistent. But man, we were like, I, I'm I'm wearing the shirt from the game right. that really turned it around. Um, right and so it's it's wild that it took until the fifth game for them to really like you know strike gold and and people are like ah and then all of a sudden the floodgates open and we're getting physical releases and like uh we're special editions and merchandise we're, and stuff we're yeah. getting <laughs> sorry past tense um for fans of the original game, uh, there's an un- undubbed version called Yakuza Restored, uh, created mm-hmm. by a fan, and you could download the patch now. Uh, it's on, actually, CD Romance has a pre-patched version of it, which I'm pretty sure is uh, somewhat illegal. But if you have a copy, this is kind of like a backup, I would say, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it tells you everything they changed here. Uh yeah, the in-game script was obviously uh, changed. Less profanity. If you like that, I'm sorry. Um, so they fixed a lot of stuff in the in it. So it's cool that fans kept the original vision alive. Um, let's talk about the marketing. Um, <clears throat> so Sega kind of had a reverse marketing with his game. So let's first talk about the marketing within the game. Um, so Sega tried to make the game realistic by making... Sega Arcade Center's uh, real-life replicas, uh, which included... uh, And they also included other brands like Boss Coffee, Jack Daniels, Carl's Beer, and Suntory. I think all these brands Mm -hmm. are actually owned by Suntory. So Uh, other product placements included magazines such as Sabara and Spa and World Club Cub stickers. Sega did try to reach out to other uh, car brands and fashion brands for in-game advertising, but they got rejected due to the nature of the game. Uh, back in the mid-2000s, uh, a lot of companies like EA got a lot of flack from gamers for mm. in-game advertising on sports and racing games. But it seems that Yakuza's advertising in-game actually became iconic. How do you feel about this, and do you think it's depending on how they use these advertising? I, I like it. I think at the time, a lot of people... Uh, when it was done right, it it just either felt authentic or it just kind of 
enhance the the wackiness of the game like especially in crazy taxi when they go take me to the kfc like that's just much more iconic than them saying take me to the fried chicken restaurant you know right um and and just like in this like it just it like in the shenmue games it it made sense uh when they kind of had brands that felt authentic but by and large i think shenmue was fake brands right like jet cola i don't think was real in, ja- in um, Japan, it was Coca-Cola. But yeah, here we got fake advertising. Yeah, and here we got fake brands. So I, I think it felt more authentic when they were real brands. I think in Shenmue, like, the fact that so many things were made by Sega was kind of mm-hmm. silly. Like, he bought Sega brand batteries, which made no, was kind of weird, made no sense. But in, in Yakuza, just, I, I love all that. And again, going back to, you know, me going to the Japanese market, like, I would recognize brands um boss coffee and and all that i mean jack daniels you can go anywhere to that's my favorite japanese whiskey jack daniels Mm. (laughs) um jacku jacku danielson so uh sega released so another thing they did to actually advertise in game game in japan they released a full 40 almost 40 minute prologue movie Mm -hmm. and i'll play a little bit in the background when we talk about it but uh this kind of uh this was kind of gave it's a prequel, so they gave the us a look into the backstory of these characters. It, it was also famous for having Taki, Takashi Mike as a executive director, who later on went to direct the full Yakuza movie that came out in 2007. This mm-hmm. one kind of gives you a background on the characters in the orphanage, Kazuma and Nishiki's uh, friendship. I think it kind of adds more to the story a lot, and I actually enjoyed it. when it, I was actually surprised that I enjoyed it when it first came out i thought it kind of made me care about the characters more when i played the game because it, in the game it just felt like for no reason uh nishiki became a bad guy like i didn't think they fleshed him out enough and i think in kiwami they added more cutscenes to flesh him out that made him more sympathetic yeah. um this uh this movie kind of adds a little more to it like their life in the orphanage their parents being murdered by yakuza uh, so it's more interesting, and I recommend people watching it. Obviously, the guy that plays Kazuma is kind of strange. I mean, I think he's in the end. Here he is. He's like this really big guy, and he looks more like, I don't know, like a bodybuilder. I don't know. But I yeah. guess yeah. it's as close you're going to get as to Kazuma, right? So yeah, that's a hard guy to cast. Um, but yeah, they did this, which I thought was interesting. What do you think about this prequel movie? Did you Did you know about this? I didn't know about it. I, I did watch it to prep for this, and I, I quite enjoyed it. It it has a very like low budget TV vibe to it. Sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like you're watching like a cosplay stage play, but mm-hmm. um, I think it's cool. I've never seen the movie that came out later, but I know now they're discussing like a movie, which is funny because people are like, "Oh, they're gonna make a Yakuza movie," and it's like they have twice, right? So. Um, yeah, it's 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 cool. I almost feel like we should revisit our classic videos we did, the Sega Cinema, where we like oh, yeah. watch it and record commentary. I think that might be fun sometime. Oh yeah, um, for sure. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely them going above and beyond. Um, I remember when uh, Shenmue Two came out, they had the voice actors dress up like the characters, and they like filmed oh, yeah. the promos. But this is going even further it's just a shame they didn't use the voice actors right they didn't have the voice actors playing the no, characters no the guy the guy that plays Kazuma was like old already when this came out so 
it would yeah. have been weird watching him like <laughs> cosplaying as Kazuma. Oh, and really I guess like so. Him. Right, he does not look like Kazuma for sure. But yeah, his voice yeah. is beautiful. That's uh, all that matters uh, for voice acting. Um, I, I like this. It uh, it reminds me a lot of what they did with Unleashed, uh, where they released also a. It wasn't a prequel. It was more of a uh, side supplement, uh, yeah. horror little short with characters. Mm-hmm. I wish they did that with Frontiers. I feel like that game needed like a prequel or some sort of like animated yeah, film. They they did the Knuckles one, but it didn't really answer or add too much. It just kind of was like how Knuckles got kidnapped or, or transported right. there. And then there was the comic book, but. Yeah, I feel like Sega hasn't done something like this big in a long time, especially with live action actors. They haven't done this before or since from what I can remember. Um, it's it's very 90s Sega where right. it's like they had a lot of money to spend and they they you know really went all out. I'm kind of surprised they were able to do this. Right. And uh oh, I mean, I in the other one that reminds me of is uh, Forces had a prequel DLC for Shadow that's pretty cool too. Right. I think something like that's cool yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't mind them doing a like. Uh, I guess we did kind of get a uh, prequel DLC. Uh, literally, the man who erases his name was a prequel to why he is in eight. Right. It's weird. So I guess that's as close as we get to the shadow DLC. Um, right. Interesting, but yeah. Um, another. Let's look at uh, the print ad. Mm-hmm. This is the American U.S. print ad. Um, do you remember this ad? I do. I really like this ad. This I is think actually it looks iconic. Really cool. Yeah, this is an iconic ad in my opinion. Um, yeah. So it reminds me of the Bayonetta ad where it just had her foot stomping down on the bullet. And like, with the yeah, bullet? and the bullet, and it just that kind of like does everything. And this one, you know, I wish I had seen this at the time because it just really. I, I think this is much more iconic than the cover art of him with his shirt off, and you see the tattoo like. You know, guy in a white suit with a baseball bat with a bunch of guys. Like, it just, you're just like waiting for that suit to get splattered in blood, <laughs> pretty much. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I think so, too. I agree with you on it. I don't know who shot this, who designed it. This is 100% American. Yeah. Um, um, it looks like it was probably pieced together. Right. I think it might have used some like airbrushed. I don't think they did CG at the time for things, but I, I feel like some of it might have been airbrushed, and then they probably like maybe put Japanese guys' heads on like businessman photo bodies. You know, like it. It really seems like they stitched together a lot of things to create that crowd. But um, there's some doubles you can see in here. Yeah, and there's some faces that are a little blurred because I think they're white guys. Like right. if you look the on the guy. left, there's. The a big guy with a mustache, but his face is blurry. Right. So yeah, but it, it it's very iconic, and yeah, like I said, like it reminds me of the Bayonetta ad, um, which was I think four years later. But uh, yeah, cool. I, I, I it, it's a rare, good. rare Sag of America ad from the era that I think is really cool. Uh, the next ad, I couldn't find any Japanese print ads, even though I know they're out there. I looked and looked, and I couldn't. But then I was like. We have enough with the movie, the prequel movie, and this yeah, uh, yeah. and this live action Japanese commercial we're gonna watch. So I'll play it at one, two, three. Adult game. Uh oh. This thing is so low quality though. Now it sucks that some of these commercials, you know. Game 
This is who you get to be. The bad boys. Yeah. That's it. There's like no gameplay. That was literally it. Just like you could be cool. And that's the commercial. Um, eh. I, I, I don't really know how that it's sounds right. in the game. But whatever. I will yeah. say though that uh, I, th- I, you know what? I really wish Sega would have put the uh, prequel movie and maybe even the live action commercials and stuff that all the promotional material in Kiwami as extras. I don't know why they don't do that. That would have been sweet. Yeah, for like, sure. All this stuff is missing. Like even the uh, prequel film looks like a VHS tape because it's so low quality yeah. at the time. They saved it from yeah, the Sega yeah. website and they had to save money by making it crappy. So to me, it's like, come on. Uh, this is not Yakuza 1, but I thought that it was interesting anyway to talk about that uh, Sydney man gets Yakuza-inspired tattoo. Uh, so what do you think about this guy's tattoo? Like he's There's a picture of him standing right next to Kazuma, and he got it like the exact tattoo. Yeah. Too much? And you think this guy's probably eating good now that the franchise is popular? Oh, yeah. No, he's, he's probably a local legend. They probably call him uh, Kazuma. Uh, didn't you he know. win some sort of like contest or something? I didn't read the article, but this has nothing to do with Yakuza One. Yeah, this he won like, a contest. Yeah, he this did. is for yeah. three, I think. Oh, four. The video review on the bottom. So that's cool. Um, that's all I have for the uh, promotional material. But we have legacy. So Yakuza had a legacy that I think we all assumed Shimu would have had um, at the time, with us living the life of this one player over a generation of games. Yakuza did accomplish that, and it also made its way to being one of the top three in-house Japanese brands. Mm-hmm. It's, it's also become very popular in the West and launched Negoshi not only to oversee the entire software for uh, by Sega for years. It, yeah. it also got him poached by a Chinese company called NetEase to make his own Negoshi studio. Uh, Yakuza, the first game would get a remaster and a remake with Yakuza 1 and 2 HD for the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation... Uh, wait. PlayStation 3 and Wii U. Yeah, that's mistake. right. And yeah. Yakuza Kiwami for all modern consoles. Uh, we almost... Uh, we, um, we're we almost going to do this episode, obviously, of both of them. But, you know, next time we'll do a Yakuza Kiwami episode where we talk about the changes, the graphical changes, but also... Story changes, character changes, new additions, advert- yeah. uh, development, advertising. So that should be a fun episode. And uh, so we will most likely continue the game and the story moving forward. Absolutely. So you have anything to add before we close it up? You know, it's it's like I said uh, earlier, like the Yakuza games 1 and 2 on the PS2 feel like almost a different franchise to me or a, a different games. Um, I... I feel like more people need to revisit these because I feel like they've really been kind of just like the prequel movie we talked about like they've been kind of erased from Sega's history they're not playable on any modern consoles you need to either have a a PS2 or you need to be able to speak Japanese and import it for like uh you know another console but um for what it is you know it was uh it was kind of like a great Japanese game that's kind of fumbled by uh, localization, but not completely so, you know? Um, mm. Yeah, it it's, like I said, it's it's kind of like the rumble in the Bronx <laughs> of of the uh, gameography, yeah, where it's, it, it's just, it's, 
it's silly. It's not perfect, but it's still enjoyable for what it is. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm so glad that this franchise has really exploded. And like now it's like one of the most popular, the eighth game is just like insanely popular, selling so well, which between that and, and Sonic Frontiers, like Sega's just doing so well. It's great. I agree. I think this game is interesting. I wish we had the uh, remaster released in English. I think that's a mistake. I think these classic games are totally different. I think it could have been a shadow digital drop of like $30 just to yeah, have them out yeah. there. Because um, they are different games from characterizations to everything. So I wish we did get them. Um, especially since the fixes in the remaster are like... 100% worth it, less loading. Uh you got the combat's better. It's more like Yakuza 2, so definitely uh one of my uh so the, yeah, one of Yakuza is one of my favorite franchises, so definitely can't not recommend it enough. Um Absolutely. Do we have any memories to read? We do. Let me actually <laughs> let me open up patreon.com/segabits and uh thank you to our Patreon supporters. For sharing their memories. Looks like we have, wow, we have uh, the most we've had in a long time. So let me jam through these. Thankfully, I think Yakuza has long ending credits. So uh, first off, we have Ando, who says, I imported the original PS2 game from Japan, thinking it would never make its way to the West. I, I turned out to be wrong soon after, but I wasn't going to complain because working my way through the game with my basic Japanese skills was a slog and a half. But I don't remember beating the first game in English either, so I never picked up the sequel. Then Yakuza 3 had stuff cut out, and I just kind of dropped off the series. That changed when Kiwami came out. Now my girlfriend and I are working our way through all the games together. We're up to five now, and we could be faster, but these sub-stories are too amazing to ignore. I'm really glad the series got a second wind here in the West and has now become an international successful franchise. Uh, Hams says... Originally, Yakuza passed me by despite my interest in it. At the time, it was compared with Shenmue, which I loved. In my opinion, it's nothing like Shenmue. Anyway, I think Yakuza 4 had already come out to the West. It had always bothered me, being a massive Sega fan, that I had never played the Yakuza games. But I also didn't want to start in the middle of the series, so I downloaded a PS2 emulator and Yakuza on my PC. Not sure if it was powerful enough to run, it ran fine, uh, although it had the vertical line down the middle. It didn't bother me. I had a good time with the game, and it played. I played through the sequel the same way. From Yakuza 3 onwards, I've bought every mainline game. It has become one of my favorite game series. I just played through Like a Dragon Gaiden, and can't wait for Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. Jose Luis Romeo says, I remember doing the classic disc swap method for playing imports on my PS2 for the first Yakuza game. It was Shenmue meets Fukasaku Films, a dream come true. It was a mix of serious Yakuza drama and wacky characters. When Kiwami came around, Yakuza had evolved into a bigger, more serious drama with crazy uh, submissions and mini-games, yes. And Kiwami made the first... uh, made the first Yakuza more in sync with the rest of the saga, Yakuza 3 onwards, while giving more of the backstory of Nashiki. I loved replaying the original story and the many editions. Daniel Andres says, Oh yes, it's about times you guys did an episode on this game. Hell yeah, more Yakuza. I do really like this game. 
but not as much as Zero or Kiwami 2. I was coming off fresh from the series after Zero and knew next to nothing about the plot for the original Yakuza game, so imagine my surprise slash shock when I found out that Nashikiyama went down such an awful, horrible, dark path. It's so tragic, as is the story of Kazuma Kiru, but even so, I still like this game. I thought it was a little out of character for him to leave Majima to uh, die on the docks, but whatever. <laughs> I also absolutely love Haruka and Date-san, easily two of the best characters in the franchise. A great game overall, but I'm more excited for you guys to eventually Kawami, cover Kawami 2, because I have lots to say about that one. And uh, we'll have lots to say on our next episode, George. Um, next time on Sega Talk, I'm going to be doing a Patreon pick. It's going to be talking about Sega World. The, Whoa! Um, I have that game. Yeah, me too. No, <laughs> Super Mario World. No, oh. um, Sega World, uh, it was a chain of amusement arcades and entertainment centers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you're yeah, going to be talking I, about the history of the opening and all that? I guess so. Uh, there's so many of them, though, so I don't know... If it's a specific one, I know Sega World Sydney is a really well-known one. So, yeah, we'll see where it takes us. Maybe we'll kind of... I, I think I'll treat it kind of like the um, Candy Cabinets one, where it's kind of going to be an overview of what Sega World was in the various locations. So, yeah, it'll be fun. All right. I guess we'll catch you guys on the next episode of Sega Talk. Bye. Bye. <laughs>